0: All right. Welcome back to episode number five, Three Point Range. We're with you again. This is Mike Berardino, joined as always by Kimball Crossley. Hello, Kimball. Hey. Okay. He's a little, little uh, salty today, I guess. And uh, Tim Crothers joining us from Chapel Hill. How are you, Tim? Cut the fluff. Hi, Mike. Let's It's go. a
1: pleasure to be here.
0: That's the kind of greeting we like. We're not asking for a lot. I will tell you, right out of the shoot, Kimball wants this intro to be really quick. So I'm just going to go really quick. And let you know that uh, you can find us uh, as well on Substack uh, with a uh, regular uh, newsletter that you can subscribe to. And uh, both Tim and Kimball have written there this week. I'm still boycotting it. But it's three-point range Substack. You can also find us on Facebook where uh, we're very pleased to have hit the 250-like uh, mark and uh, just soaring with interest. And we thank you there. And you, if you like what you hear, you can hit the contribution button uh, at uh, either anchor.fm or um, you can see it at uh, uh, Spotify and a variety of other locations that uh, carry podcasts. So that's it. That's a one-minute, ten-second introduction, and this is a thing where we each come with a point. There's three points. It's three-point range. This is. uh, Let's start with Kimball. What's your point?
2: All right, well, you know, it is NFL season and obviously college football too. And so I think we're all kind of focusing on that right now. And every time I watch an NFL game, I'm talking about every time. It's a beautiful sport, it's a beautiful game, but this rule just drives me crazy. And I'm talking about the pass interference rule. I you know, I relate it because I used to, you know, like a lot of Americans, like don't like soccer or whatever, and used to disparage it. And one thing, and I I actually like soccer a bit, but you know, we always were so frustrated if you watched it is the penalty kick, like it's so vague what gets to be a penalty kick. And it's such a monumental call. And it's almost like it's such a big call that officials are afraid to call it. But then when they do call it, it's like, well, that's a, almost a, a certain goal. And I, that's how I feel about pass interference in the NFL. It is, it is such a giant call that it's become so crazy and unpredictable when it's called. And that only makes it worse because the stakes are so high. You know, people don't realize if you call a 40-yard pass interference penalty just because the two guys were hand fighting and one guy seemed, the defender seemed to go more, that's like four holding calls, okay? That's like eight, you know, offsides and illegal procedure calls. That's monumental. And it's even more than that when you think that sometimes the opposite, like what if you got an interception, the difference in yardage? I mean, you're talking about this could be like a hundred yard difference depending on which way a call goes. And it's also one of the toughest things to call because there's like this little jockeying and moving and all sorts of stuff. And it's ridiculous. And and, I know that that evil genius, Bill Belichick, knows how to get around this. If I was ever third and 45, third and 27, third and long, I would just say, hey, if you get down there and you're not open, just create contact, offensive player, because there's no real downside. You're not open and you're on open because he's near you, so you might as well just create some contact. The refs will just probably call it, and now we've got 30 yards. And it, the one of the problems with the way it's officiated is the penalty on the offense is so minor. It could be a 40-yard penalty on the offense, and it's so on the defense, and it's so rarely called on the offense. And if it is, it's, oh, 10 yards. So, like, there's why not? Why not try? And plus, it's third and long or fourth and long. So, again to me, original idea, Mike's going to say, like, you know, somebody, some obscure name wrote about this 27 years ago. (laughs) But keep going. It's funny, because I don't like half the distance on other penalties. But this is where I say, this should be half the distance. And I think that becomes fair. So you throw a 50 yard bomb, just like the other day with uh, Gronkowski in the end zone. And there's a little touching. The official doesn't say, all right, it's not for the official, it's too much pressure. It's 50 or nothing. No, if you say, all right, whatever you're doing, it's half the distance. You throw a 50-yard bomb, we'll give you 25 of it. Because hey, you never, there's no guarantee you made the catch. There's also no guarantee it's the proper call. So you just say half of that, half of that. Now, maybe if guys start yanking each other, guys, down, you can have a flagrant and say, That's a flagrant. That was just ridiculous, and give them full. And then for shorter things it would be like 10 or half the distance, whichever is more. Plus, you're already getting a first down. You're already getting a lot of a lot of stuff. And then here's the kicker. It's the same penalty for the offense. So the offense creates contact on a 50-yard bomb in desperation trying to make something happen. Oh, you're going back 25, buddy. Don't start messing with us. Don't do that because it's putting so much pressure on the officials that it's so arbitrary and it makes – it's the biggest call in the game. Most games are decided like that. If a game – if there's a 60-yard – Touchdown bomb in the game as the play of the game. It broke the game wide open. It made a difference. But when it's a flag, it's the same thing, but but no one knows about it. It's never in a highlight, and it's like how they drove the ball. There's teams that can't drive the ball at all, and next thing you know, they get a 50-yard penalty. I'm done.
0: <laughs> really? Are you sure? Are you sure? For now, I'm, I'm okay. opening
2: the floor to you boys. All right,
0: well, I'll go next because I, I've been jotting a few notes, and it's an interesting point, and, and yes, it is incredible how arbitrary – those calls can be, and there are receivers. I've written about this. But the wide receiver coach now at Ohio State is Brian Hartline, and he'll be a college head coach soon because he's he's very cerebral and he's very personable. Everyone, but uh-huh. Brian Brian Hartline played for the Dolphins, and he was leading the league at one point uh, early in the decade in interference calls drawn, just like in basketball. If you're really astutely charting a basketball game you might draw you know you like to keep track of fouls drawn those are offensive players who make impact in hidden ways. Ryan Hartline I'm sure there's other guys right now who are really good at getting into the defender and making the hand fighting look like it's more one sided than it really is and like you say it can be a plus 40 plus 50 whatever as far as the quarterback can throw it the thing that annoys me, and so i'm not a, that's not a bad idea at all it's a very interesting idea to mm. mitigate a bit but i would go another step because that's what we do in these segments the def- to me the biggest inefficiency is defensive holding i believe that's 5 yards and an automatic first down so it could literally be fourth and 50 and you get a defensive holding, which right. is another thing that I'm, it's quite arbitrary because you're coming across the middle and you're talking about tight ends crashing into linebackers and what is deep. Now, pick play, that's different. I get the pick play, but a defensive holding is, is often just incidental contact that happens to be called. That's five yards and an automatic first down. I'd like to wipe away the automatic first down so that five yards, fine, you or maybe spot a foul, spot of the hold. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, you so you hold this. them at seven. You needed twenty. You get seven. And I would also submit that sometimes what's called pass interference is really just defensive holding downfield. It's pass interference when the ball's in the air. But let's say, how many times are these balls truly uncatchable, and they still throw the flag? They don't do a good job of, of ruling whether it's catchable or not. To me, a lot of times the ball is ten yards beyond the receiver still gets the benefit of the call. So that does need to be sharpened, and it's been that way. I don't think they've really uh, made much progress on, on that, on, on the fairness aspect of, of the of pass interference. Defensive holding, for sure, has never changed in in my memory. So, Tim, uh, is this as annoying to you as it is to us?
1: I agree that it is uh, that is an, an, an egregious penalty, and it does affect the outcome of games. I'm with you guys on that, but I'm going to take this in a dire- different direction because – that's that's what I do. That's that's why so many of our followers have encouraged me to go solo and and uh, leave you guys behind. Um,
2: <laughs> Good luck with that, uh, Mister No Microphone, No Technology.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will have to figure that part out. But uh, but what I'd say on this topic is that that uh, you guys, as much as I, you know, I agree that the penalty is is needs to needs to be changed. I feel like. You are defending the the serial killers of the athletic community, and I, I can't I, I can't 100% get behind that. And what I mean by that is, there are no bigger cheaters in all of sports than defensive backs. If you watch every single play, every single play in an NFL game, an, a, a defensive back is cheating. He is grabbing, he's holding, he is he is grabbing the guy's arm right before the ball gets there. Uh, you know, I know that they're coached, coached to do this. I know that they're coached, basically, they're coached to cheat. They're coached to figure out what can I get away with. And I understand it's a tough position to be in. I wouldn't want to be a defensive back. It's a pretty thankless job. However, uh, there's no, in my opinion, there's no, no position in any sport where uh, where more cheating is, is tolerated. And so the fact that we, we are, are sort of legislating to help these guys out um, troubles me in some way. I w- I wish we could dial this whole thing back. I was actually talking to my son about this last night. We were watching the game. That I wish we could just dial this whole thing back to a point where, guys, you can't cheat. You can't. What? You can't do that. If you can't. If we told them you can't do that, and then we told the the offensive players, here's what you can and cannot do, and we actually held to it, then maybe we'd actually have uh, a situation where we wouldn't have to. Legislate these I, I, ridiculous penalties.
2: I agree, Tim. I actually think quite the contrary. Like, like, I, I think you're right. Right idea. And they do cheat a lot, but I think that's part of because they can get away with it because the officials know it's such a big call. They let a little go, and they never know when it's a lot. And then it's a big play, and they all of a sudden throw the flag. And I think you make a rule like this. And then, yes, you say part of this rule is, and cut the crap. I will call this on you all day long. Get your hands off each other, because it's going to be a, a foul on somebody. And yeah, exactly. You start making it a more realistic call, just like in, in soccer again. Like there's, It's so hard for them to call stuff in the box. Then you get away with stuff in the box way more than you get outside the penalty box. So I think we' would do the very thing you're saying, because I agree with you. Um, that that happens. And I'll give you a funny thought because, because, you know, some would say, well, you can't play football. we're like, no, that's the point when you're guarding someone. We've all played touch football. You know, you just move with them and you don't put your hands on them. You don't grab them. You don't hold them and vice versa. You don't push off and stuff like that. And start calling it both ways. And if the penalty's not as severe, then maybe they they will call it both ways. And if the offensive player can't create contact because they're so afraid of getting a big penalty on themselves, they won't be forcing the defensive player to do that. So I think it would solve that. But I will say one funny thing. Uh, our old friend Dave Gardner, another <laughs> former fantasy player of ours and, and gone on to fame and fortune, uh, Motley Fool fame, we, we used to talk about this. He used to say, it's football. Let them do whatever. The contrary to what Tim's saying is like, it's like, why are like linemen crushing each other and why receivers are trying to dance around and not touch? He said, what if you just... Said no, do whatever you want, and and it'd be interesting because you could go with these wrestling DBs that could grab a hold of guys, but good luck catching on to Tyreek Hill and and wrestling him to the ground when you have to start off him to start, and you're so slow, and it's sort of an interesting idea. And I thought, well, maybe before the ball's in the air, you could say like anything goes. But I agree, it's such a great area, and I think I'm just looking for ways to to solve it, and and I think this rule would do that by making it. Like, yeah, get your hands off or it's a penalty. There's no questions asked. It's not like, oh, well, that was a little – because you hear announcers say this all the time. Like, oh, that wasn't that bad. Oh, that was definitely bad. Which announcer oh, that is that?
0: that? whats <laughs> that? Who is that? <laughs> What is that? Think five voices,
2: and the yeah. <laughs> I do want to say I do want to say is uncatchable. I've always thought uncatchable is stupid. In my rule, part of uncatchable is because officials use that as an out, like, oh, he was all over him, but the ball is uncatchable. No, you can, do, is, you can do you can
0: do the mental where calculations. Else
2: sports, where else in sports is that a thing? Like, you know, in basketball, it's like he's a really bad shooter and he wasn't gonna make the shot anyway. So it doesn't matter that I knocked him to the ground because oh. it was unmakeable. No, I've never understood the uncatchable thing. The same defensive back tackling a wide receiver, but the ball is twenty yards over the, his head. Because a lot of times the quarterback throws the ball away because his guys are being mugged. So I'm not into the uncatchable thing. And again, I think my rule would clean this all up.
0: All right. Another thing too is that we're very we're being very granular and micro here. And if you just step back and think about the macro of football where it is right now. We've had now multiple decades of changes meant to help the offense. Not too many that I can think of at the top that have helped the defense. And it is one sided. And we have the most accurate, strongest arm and mobile quarterbacks as a group that we've ever had. So obviously, you can't touch the quarterback, you can't breathe on the quarterback, they sell the game, we get it. But I would say there needs to be Little small changes along the way. Whatever the rules committee looks at this offseason, I do hope there will be some something that brings the defensive capabilities back to the fore and gives them a chance to compete. So uh, this would be one of those things. And I'm not too worried about the cheating that might go on out on the, on the perimeter when you're one-on-one and touchdown is the result if you fail, because you could call holding on every play, literally every play and it's only when somebody is taken to the ground essentially on the line that they call offensive holding and so that's that's just i do think it's time for Maco. and let's uh, one phrase for you that uh, if you doubt if our listeners doubt that uh, things are one-sided go type in bump and run into your search and see what defensive backs used to be able to do in the steel curtain days or the Oakland Raiders days in the, of the height of their time, even the Cowboys dynasty teams of the 70s into the early 80s. What you could do back then to a receiver, it's why passing yardage was so low. Terry Bradshaw, Hall of Famer, look up some of his passing games. I mean, won plenty of times with 150 passing yards. You, it was virtually impossible to complete a pass against a, a defensive back who was allowed to be as physical as he wanted. And he, it was, there was no five-yard rule and then hands off. They followed you all the way down the field shoving you it was good stuff it was the dave gardner rule it was it was called bump and run and it wasn't so bad i don't think we need to go to that i do think we need to level the playing field a bit are we good on that
1: i think i'll 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 sum it up by saying that it sounds like we're all for cheating in the nfl and let's move on
0: quite the contrary Mm -hmm. i think we're just Mm -hmm. very intelligent tweaks that's all this show is all about the intelligent tweak um and the uh, bump and run tim uh would you? Are you? Are you prepared? Do you have? Sure, let's point? do it.
1: Let's right. do it. Yeah, I mean, I since mine is also NFL related. I, oh, I think, okay. Yeah, this is the perfect segue. Um, my uh, my point is, um, I am fed up with the hideous uh, clock <laughs> management that goes on in the NFL. Uh, and again, it it stems from a from watching the game last night. As my takes are always as fresh as as yesterday's news Um, (laughs) watching the game last night,
0: sending a pattern here, watch the Thursday (laughs) night game, show up with a point off of that, that your son probably raised anyway, but okay, go
1: ahead. They're all his ideas. I'm just, (laughs) I'm just, I'm just the mouthpiece. Yes. So, uh, so there's about three minutes left in overtime last night and, uh, and they show a, a tight shot of Anthony Lynn on the sideline. And the announcers are screaming, call a timeout, call a timeout, call a timeout. Anthony Lynn, uh, I don't know whether you guys are aware of this, but he has a he has a pretty checkered history this season of clock management. And so I guess that's probably where this stemmed from. But but they're begging for him to call a timeout. He lets about 15-20 seconds go, run off the, a running clock, and then he says, Oh, okay, I guess I'll call a timeout here. Now it wasn't this was Easily, his least egregious uh, case of poor clock management. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, I I made my son do the research. Uh, <laughs> um,
2: my daughters won't do any for me.
1: Yeah. So, or a couple other a couple other examples of this. First, first off, uh, was this game against uh, the Raiders earlier in the season. There's two minutes left. He has three timeouts. They're cha- they're down five points. They need to go. They're on their own 45. They need to go 55 yards to, for the game-winning touchdown. The first play is a is a Justin Herbert run, and he he uh, gets tackled in bounds. And Anthony Lynn lets 28 seconds run off the clock before he also oh, calls man. a timeout. <laughs> I mean, at that point, just keep just run another play. I mean, really, you right. gonna call a timeout after 28 seconds? Right. Six of the first seven plays on the drive were were tackled in bounds. Uh, allowing the, the Chargers to squander all three of their timeouts. I mean, two minutes and three timeouts, 55 seconds, please. I mean, that the clock should not be a factor. The Chargers lose the game when the clock runs out with the ball inside the Raiders' five. Oh, right. So not 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 a great moment for Anthony Lynn. Another game, this is in the end of the first half, and you should check out the video on this one. It's highly comic. They uh, end of the first half in a game against the Falcons, 15 seconds to go in the first half. No timeouts. Third and one. He ha- runs a running play into the line. The guy gets stopped short, so they can't. They can't spike it. It's fourth down. He he hesitates for a second. Then the field goal team starts running on. The offense doesn't know what to do. They eventually kick a field goal with negative one seconds left on the clock. And uh, there are 15 Chargers on the field at that particular moment when the when the when the field goal is kicked. Uh, again, not a great moment for Anthony Land. The last one uh, that that my son looked up was the uh, Buffalo um, Buffalo game. They throw a hail mary pass with with 45 seconds to go. They're down 10, and they get the ball down to the Buffalo two, and they run up to the ball. Everybody's signaling to spike it. They they actually run a running play into the line that that stops short so the clock continues to run it gets down to 6 seconds they run two incomplete passes on fourth down they run a quarterback sneak to Justin Herbert but the line thinks it's a it's a pass play so they're backing up and Herbert is smotched by the entire Bills defense um, you know uh, it's this is it, this is just that's just one example of one coach it happens all the time uh, it's some, it's one of my great pet peeves in sports. It happens in foot in, uh, NFL and college all the time. And I, I, just think you spend so much money for all of these coaches. There's 500 coaches on every staff. How about having one guy as a clock coach, one guy who that's all he does. I mean, I understand Anthony Lynn's got a lot of go, lot going on in this, in his headset, why not have a guy up in the booth who's just your clock coach? He understands every single situation. That, that's all he does. He tells you, all right, coach, now is the time we, co- we use a timeout. That's all he does. I'm going to volunteer to be anybody's <laughs> clock coach. I'll, I'll be the least paid, uh, lowest paid, paid uh, coach on your staff. Any college team, any NFL team, I'm volunteering right now to be your clock coach. I've watched a million games. I don't know. I couldn't tell you anything about about you know the x's and o's of football but i can tell you when when and not when to call a timeout and when not to call call a timeout the chargers are five and nine they have lost seven games by one score or less if let's say they win three four of those games possibly with better clock management they're in the playoffs instead anthony lynn's clock is about to run
2: out nice well um I totally agree with you, and I just want to say that I think, uh, and absolutely, there should be a, a clock coach. And I think I believe Rex Ryan had a clock coach when he was with the Jets. Now Mike probably knows that guy's name,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: but and, it's, well, and that it, certainly it's worked
1: time. out well. Well, I am well. well uh-huh. <laughs> you know, but it's funny
2: because Rex Ryan doesn't come off as a genius, but watching those Jets teams, because I am a long-suffering Jets fan, that was not his problem. He he wasn't having Anthony Lynn type problems. He had other issues. But I, I didn't watch those games, you know, and go, oh, my God, the guy doesn't know how to run the clock like I did with Herm Edwards. And so so that wasn't his problem. I think he did have, I might be wrong, but I think he had a clock coach. Mike knows the name of the guy. And so, yeah, it makes total sense, and I totally agree with that.
0: I am going to refer to one of Rex's no, no. former, former <laughs> offensive coordinators <laughs> in, when I when it's my turn, and I'm going to have a quick story. I, but I don't know who, who made those clock decisions. Go ahead.
2: No, that's it. I, I mean, okay. and I'll just say it's not that hard. Like, you know, it's funny because you know who does a really good job of this um, when he's doing a game well, Tarico and Tony Romo as well. They like they they like always like well, I have about seventeen seconds left if he does this. <laughs> and I'm like, well, if Tony uh, can Jim. do that, if Tony can do that, then yeah. you know, yeah, there should be a Tony who, who can do that as well and make his clock is running. Tony, <clears throat> I
0: love- uh, I'm with It's the Tim. best part of every Sunday for me is just hearing that. Oh. Tony, it's it's beautiful. We got to get that. We got to get that. You know what I'm talking about, Jim Nance. Anything, anything that uh, gets to, excites Jim Nance, he says Tony because he wants to hear what he says. All right, that, that, well, this, that's a segue. I didn't mean it. You n- you never speak ill of the dead, and I really like this guy because uh, he treated all of us well in the media. But Tony Sperano was one of the hardest working lifelong assistants. Got a chance to be the head coach. Of the Miami Dolphins and uh, the first year I'm covering the team I believe they play a game at Buffalo and he did something that I've never seen and and I've covered a zillion high school college and pro games and I don't ever remember this ever happening in another situation but the Dolphins around the middle of the game uh, not even late in the game uh, late in the first half let's say made an interception and they have the ball now at the plus 40 and Tony's running down the sideline to get the official cuz he wants the timeout. He's he's begging for a timeout on a change of possession. Mm. This is a different mm. oh, kind of thing. No. He yeah. did this in front of the whole team and so you've got no. the whole team, you've got everybody, the clock, the chain gang, uh, you know, the team, the doc, the team doctors, anybody no. was looking at him thinking, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and even the official just waved him off. He's like, you don't need a timeout. It's a change of possession. Like, oh, okay. oh my god! And this is—he's already been—he's already taken a team to the playoffs. It's not like he was overmatched. He was a very good head coach. I'm just saying that so much goes on, in and you've alluded to it, Tim, in a head coach's headset, and depending on how uh, meticulous they are or how trusting they are of their staff. And of course, I think that ebbs and flows within a season. There's no guarantee the clock coach. Or the clock assistant would be trusted in week seventeen or whatever as much as at the beginning because a few screw ups and then you know there's a lot of money on the line. But Tony did that, so then it was my job. I felt to ask him after the game about it. That wasn't uh, that didn't go so great, but he did own it. He owned it. He said, like, "I don't, I don't know what yeah, I was thinking there." And he took it. He didn't blame anybody. And then it it lingered into the Monday availability. I remember they had a linebacker named Aiken Adele from Purdue, and a guy, go. a it good guy, there was talker, and he, <laughs> he took up for Tony. But I'm telling you that there was no; it was indefensible. It was a total gaffe. It didn't cost him anything, but it was just like wow, because already you had a guy who kind of talked like you know straight from the the, the streets of New Haven, and it wasn't like he was dropping uh, scrabble words on us or anything, but he was football. I don't know about genius, but very smart football, man. And then this happened. It was only Aiken Adele could, could muster a defense of that. I forget exactly how he came up with it. (laughs) It's the same name. I don't get two credits for that, but, um, tough name to spell. A Y O D E. But, um, have you you guys ever seen a, call, a timeout called on change of possession? And I think that takes it right. That's that's even that, that makes Anthony Lynn look like he's
1: Belichick to me. <laughs> no, no, all I've right. never seen that. I, I'm all right. I, once again, uh, for seventy five bucks a game, I will I will be anyone's clock coach. What right. about
2: room and board? What happens when mileage Houston offers you the job?
1: Yeah, I'm, well, I'm gonna need. Yeah, I'm gonna need. I'm gonna need expenses, but. Seventy-five bucks a game, straight up, for, the, to, for, yeah. for my services.
0: That's pretty pretty generous of you. Okay. Yeah. All right, my turn. Point number three here on three-point range. And this will be kind of perhaps you guys would like to just kind of toss some questions. I mean, I'm just going to bring this to the table. But the I ventured out this week, and I don't know how many of our listeners or a few guys. I'm not even sure. Kimball, as a scout, went to any games live. But I went to a sporting event live for the first time since the pandemic shut down in March. Uh, last time I was at a game, I was at in Indianapolis uh, at the Big Ten tournament. Wednesday night, Duke at Notre Dame, men's basketball. I was credentialed. I went to the game. I wasn't sure what to expect. And I did know they'd have a very tight hold on how many people could be there. It was maybe a dozen media or so on the press and then maybe a hundred fans, but all of them had to be related in some way to the teams. And a couple of things struck me, um, you know, uh, the fake noise that you hear in certain games that, you know, it's, it's not really, there's not a perfect way, or a, I don't know if there's, if it's, maybe it's regulated by conference, but it was barely noticeable to me uh, in person. Uh, I don't think the Notre Dame uh, person in charge of that was, 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 jacking it up enough because I could hear all the cheering from the Duke bench throughout that 10 point win for Duke. I could hear all the, I, could, I couldn't hear Shashevsky. I could hear his players though, whooping it up and and, and uh, celebrating when things went well through, during during play. So obviously that wouldn't be the case uh, with a normal crowd situation. Now the students were not going to be allowed in anyway, but they're not there. The band wasn't there. So it was just a very antiseptic environment, not what you expect from college sports. And not even. I mean, I, I've been to AAU events, as you guys probably have. I've seen that when, uh, you know, there's 50 teams out there with the best players in the country, and in high school age kids, and and uh, even an AAU event that doesn't have fans per se, is there's energy there. There's there's uh, there's activity. There's noise. There's echoes. There's all that. This was so strange, and I I kind of felt for the amateur athletes uh, who are on scholarship and have many other advantages, but are still out there taking some level of risk, traveling the country for these games. And what are we, you know, I really, I thought about Franceschewski's comment recently that I wrote about at Forbes.com. And a lot of people commented, we comment here. I still have my doubts about the wisdom of putting the amateur athlete Out there for this, especially with with no energy, no, no crowd support, uh, just an empty arena. And it's it's a different experience when you're there than when you're watching on TV, because we've all said we've watched probably more sports than normal uh, NFL for sure for me this year because we needed some escape. But they're giving us that escape but it's a, it's a weird deal. Tim, Tim, have you gone to any live sporting events since
1: I have, I, I, the other, uh, not too long ago, I I went as a, as a fan quote unquote fan to, uh, to the UNC Notre Dame football game here in Chapel Hill. Mm -hmm. That is the only game that I have, that I have been to since the pandemic started. And uh, I have to, yeah, I have to say, I mean, selfishly, as we've discussed, um, There was something very therapeutic about going to the game even though i was one of only you know a couple thousand fans perhaps who were in the stands that day um and you know you're 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 sitting there there isn't another fan within 20 feet of you in any direction and it is a bizarre a bizarre feeling to be there um but uh, but you know, I, in in our as we've discussed discussed regularly on this, in our selfish hearts, the op- the opportunity to actually go to a game, actually see it in person, um, I, I found it to be very cathartic uh, to just to have an opportunity to 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 sit in the stands and uh, you know, as much as I as we all question whether or not these games should be going on, if they are going on, and I have an opportunity to go to it. Um, I'm going to do it. And I'm wondering whether that's going to happen with, with UNC basketball. I generally have access to UNC basketball tickets. And uh, I'm curious to see whether that's that ultimately is going to occur here um, in the upcoming months.
0: So much of it, too, I'll just interject is, you know, you think about the energy that a packed house brings. And, you know, it's not just when you see things that uh, spark a reaction, you don't you – know, did you just see that kind of thing? You don't necessarily just <laughs> give that to your – close friends and family. I mean, it's, it's where strangers even interact and, and will you know, high fives, hugs, whatever, just, you know, just, just a shared experience of the group in the stands. And so even now that we're distanced, which we need to be um, beyond our cluster of, of family, I guess, and, and friends um, it's just, I, you know, you know, it's just a, of course, when, as soon as you walk away from your seat, not supposed to interact with anybody, just head straight for the exit. So, um, I don't. I can see at the pro level where, especially in the NBA, it's always kind of antiseptic. Even with a full house, it's just you know piped-in noise and cheer now and make noise this and that. But um, until it gets really important, but uh, this is. Um, I just wonder at, at some level, it's uh, it, it's pointless. But and also, these players are allowed another year to come back, but many of the seniors will not come back because they want to move on with their lives, and this is their final. Go of it. These are the final 30 games if they get that many. Uh, And this is, uh, that's another sad point in what's been a very uh, trying year. Kimball?
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I like a lot of what you guys have to say, but I would disagree with that. And that just of all the reasons to not play, um, you know, the lack of fans and energy in the building would not be on my list. (laughs) I I don't think that matters. No, 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 it doesn't matter because if you watch, you watch the world series you watch brett phillips celebration you forgot that there were barely any fans in that ballpark you know it had the same energy the same intensity coming across your tv screen athletes don't need fans to compete athletes compete and and you know i know this like because baseball i've scattered a lot of games a lot of minor league games and minor league games sometimes draw nobody or barely anybody, and I'm talking like the Arizona Fall League. If you've ever gone, to, never gone to that, it's a great thing. You have 50 of the best prospects in baseball on play field, and there's 20 people in the stands. There's mothers and fathers in the stands. You could hear a pin drop, and they're competing because they're athletes, and it's what they do, baseball. So I, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that. And and selfishly, it's sort of funny. Scouts love going to games with no fans. It's just like, you know, our own little uh micro, you know, uh petri dish where we get to watch the players and not worry about <laughs> anybody else. And and I'm kind of curious, you know, Mike, you alluded to this uh a few podcasts ago about like no announcers. Do you know how fascinating sports are when you can hear what's going on? Do you know like like if you could hear basketball players and how they communicate on the court, I'm talking like not the jive talking, whatever I'm talking sure, about. Sure.
0: I'm just talking about like, like switches like, and whatever. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, and defense, how important it is for you to communicate. And when we, we get a little glimpse of that, you know, when we, uh, you know, if that, that Cam Newton thing going around where he's joined with Clay Matthews and he, he audibles a different play because Clay's onto the wheel route. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'd so much rather hear that than Jim Nance, <laughs> you know? So I, you know, it almost makes you go, God, it'd be great to just have a microphone and just have, the sounds of the game now. Teams are probably back off, but we're seeing it more. Omaha, Omaha. You know, quarterback 50, sounds.
0: Fifty-three is the mic. Yeah, yeah, we've had no, we've had that for a handful of years. But yeah, in basketball, um, you really could hear. Sometimes it, in the old days when we could sit courtside as media, um, and I guess Cameron still puts them courtside, right? But uh, when you could be courtside uh, for even a packed house, sometimes it was that was one of the best things about being that close was was hearing even the coaches. You know, ripping into the the their own players or the officials—that was the running commentary. But yeah, it, it, but it's um you, know, you you I was able to hear all the squeaking of the sneakers. Um, I uh, there really what I mean? Uh, uh, there wasn't a whole lot uh, because I was happy if I would sat in the first row, I would have heard everything. I was uh, they had all the print media halfway up uh, lower than normal, but I'd have twenty five rows up, and so. um, Uh, I didn't think the Notre Dame kids uh, were loud enough in support. You could tell which teammate, which bench had the most energy because Duke. uh, Not that you you would think it matters, but in a place where punished if they don't, we've we've heard about teams in baseball. You know, there were teams that had to generate their own energy. So I would, I would push back a little bit on the idea that energy is just purely from the competition because these guys are performers, and like any performer, you'd like an instant reaction especially when you do something that you're proud of, cheers, the roar of the crowd, that's not happening. Even though you know, you're know not going to have a roar of a socially distanced uh, 5,000 person crowd in a 70,000 seat stadium. I don't even know really what, what you pick up on there. Um, so uh, I, I think I there is something they want. And I have been at the Arizona fall league and it's amazing to me, the guys who can focus in, pitch to pitch, because you really can, uh, thinking back to my Little League coaching days in some places, you can hear the buzz of the lights in, uh, in, uh, in those uh, in those settings in the Arizona Fall League, and those guys are playing for a chance to be in the majors the very next year a lot of times. So um, I, I, energy does help, and the crowd can produce it. And if it didn't matter at all to the athlete, then all those players who are doing those crazy handshakes and, and whooping it up and on the top step of the dugout in a 60-game season, they wouldn't have bothered with that.
1: I'll say there's a woman behind me uh, at every game that I've ever attended at the Smith Center. I have the same seat for every game in section two hundred one, row K, seat three. And my no uh, seat reference. My uh, <laughs> my there's a woman who sits behind me and in in, in the, the the row behind me who's who is convinced that there that she has an effect on the outcome of every game. <laughs> um, her, her trademark is whenever the other team goes to the, the free throw line, as they dribble to to and cock for the shot, she yells. And this, I understand she's 200 feet away from the guy in a, in a ra- raucous Smith Center. She yells, Miss it! <laughs> Every single free throw that I have ever seen shot at the Smith Center, I have heard that in the back of my, in the back right behind me. And... Uh, and i'm getting sentimental here but uh, but if there's no if if there's no no uh, home attendance allowed at the smith center this this spring i am going to have to ask my daughter to sit behind me on the couch and yell miss it every time the other team shoots a free throw because so I, that has become a part of my that's become a part of my uh, my well, my experience i have I heard it sad without that- it
2: I've heard her blame for that horrible North Carolina loss last year when Jones purposely missed the free throw and made his own shot. If she mm-hmm. just said, "Make it this time,"
0: Ugh.
1: yeah, yeah, that you're right. That that she she didn't think that <laughs> one through. But, well, I uh, can
0: assure you, she she's not alone. And and the uh, echo of my youth is is screaming myself hoarse, saying defense, defense over and over, uh, especially uh, in that AFC Championship game against Kimball's New York Jets uh, the Miami Dolphins uh, every third, every uh, third down stop uh, from uh, the mid seventies to the mid eighties. I had a hand in that. I helped. Mm-hmm. I helped. They could hear me from section F row 44 seat three, sometimes seat two. So uh, <laughs> I I'm proud of that. And I, and it's an, it is a shared experience when you look at it that way and good for that woman and to just sit there on their hands, that's what we used to hate about the Smith Center because for the first number of years that it existed, people were like, oh, this is so, so nice. I was, this is nothing like Carmichael. It's even, you know, it's a palace. Let's just sit on our hands. And it was brutal. It has gotten a little bit better over the years, and the TV experience of it has been better. I haven't been there in a while, but even then, well, last year, I was there for the Notre Dame game. It got pretty loud. But um,
1: I don't well, know about I, that. It can't loud, I, but it got pretty loud. I, I still enjoy a fine Gouda with a Merlot in the. Uh, <laughs> oh, religion. you and
0: Sam Cassell, yes. hmm yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, That's every, every every game. I have I have my wine and cheese, and it's it's quite pleasant up there in 200 with a little bit of wine and cheese.
0: All right. Well, we can't uh, go too far on this. I can tell you that we're in our two-minute warning, but. Um, we had designs on uh, final uh, lightning round, but I think we exhausted these three points to the fullest extent. And we appreciate—I <laughs> uh, don't, th- I can't imagine there's too much more to add. But you're you're welcome to add uh, your points uh, below in the comment section on our Facebook page of Three Point Range. Uh, you can go to the Substack uh, and subscribe to that.